to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. to Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and this is part of the Stoppage Time Soccer Show radio network, uh, or podcast network, I guess. Uh, we're going to be talking about the two playoff games that just happened, the conference finals in MLS, uh, and a preview of MLS Cup, which is tomorrow from when I'm recording this. We're also going to talk a little bit of USA versus El Salvador. And, uh, yeah, let's get right into it. No time to waste. Uh, Columbus Crew versus New England Revolution was the first game of the uh, of the conference playoffs. It was Sunday, December 6th at 3 p.m. Arter scored 59 minutes in to give Crew the 1-0 win over the New England Revolution. If you look at stats, the Revs had more possession, but had less shots, uh, less shots on target, you know. Uh, so this was really a game that uh, worked out well in the crew's favor. Uh, they did have some players out on uh, on the um, <clears throat> COVID list, uh, and uh, we actually have some news for that as well going forward. Uh, Seattle Sounders 3, Minnesota United 2. And this was actually probably one of the best uh, MLS Cup playoff games of all time. Certainly the most memorable in recent history. Um, this was Monday, December 7th at 9.30 p.m. Uh, this game, uh, I thought I was going to be able to go to bed early here. Reynoso scores a great free kick 29 minutes in. Uh to give Minnesota United the 1-0 lead. You know, it gets to halftime, we get back from halftime, and Reynoso assists to Debassi, who gets a goal 67 minutes in. So at this point, Minnesota only has to hold on for 23 more minutes. And, uh, uh, and it's 2-0 Minnesota United. Then the magic happens for the Sounders. 73 minutes in, Will Bruin comes into the match. Two minutes later, he's on the score sheet. He pulls one back to make it 2-1. And you're like, all right, there's 15 minutes left. Can they do it? Uh, Gustav Svensson comes in 77 minutes uh, to come, and Joven Jones uh, leaves the match. Gets all the way to the 89th minute. Raul Rui Diaz equalizes. A late equalizer. And I'm thinking, now I have to stay up even later. 
uh, because it's going to have to go extra time. And on my end, you know, this game started at like 9.30, but I think kicked off even later than that, like 9.40-ish. So at this point, it's close to midnight. And I'm thinking when it was 2 nothing, like, okay, well, I don't have to stay up late then. You know, I got to wake up early in the morning to go uh, to work. Uh, then 89 minutes in, Ralvary Diaz scores, and I'm like, oh, geez, here we go. I'm going to have to... We're going to have to stay up and uh, watch extra time. But in stoppage time, 90 plus some minutes, Gustav Svensson scores, assisted by Nicholas Ladero, to make it 3 2. And just like that, Minnesota, who seem to have been going through and getting to their first ever MLS Cup appearance, gets beat by Seattle in regular time here. And that is that. That is the game here. This was. Like I said, probably one of the best uh, MLS games um, of all time when you're looking at playoffs. Uh, the the stats favored Seattle. Uh, Minnesota was really just playing in a more uh, like reserved role, you know, playing a little more defensively, especially once they got their two goals. Uh, they were really sitting back here, um, and and it just uh, unfortunately didn't work out for them. I. I Look, uh, like I said before, I've had a soft spot for Seattle Sounders. and uh, But I would have been fine with Minnesota getting in there because it would have been nice to see a team that has not won the Cup before get to the Cup Final. Like Minnesota versus New England would have been a great matchup. We would have known that there would have been a new holder of the Cup at some point there. Uh, but Seattle, they're just so good. And, and I still can't believe that Brian Smetzer right now is out. Uh, going to be out of his contract here at the end of the season because he got them to the 26 cup that they won, 2017 cup that they lost, 2019 cup that they won. Now the 2020 cup final. So this is going to be four in five years that they're going to get there. And if they win it, that's three in five years that they win. This is a dynasty. This is starting to become a little bit of a dynasty here. And let's not even forget that they've won, you know, like four U.S. Open Cup uh, or four or five U.S. Open Cups total as well. Uh, so they have had this history now since they've entered the league 11 years ago. 2009, you know, they entered the league. Uh, that's only 11 years ago. They're about to reach the finals, uh, you know, four in the last five years there. The only one that they hadn't was another Cascadian team with uh, the Portland Timbers against... Uh, Portland Timbers against uh, Atlanta United uh, in, in 2018. And then in 2015, it was uh, the Portland Timbers versus Columbus Crew. So when you're looking at this now, uh, you see that, one, when it comes to who, since 2015, is representing the Western Conference, it's been a Cascadian team. It's been either Portland or Seattle. Yeah, you got Portland in 2015, Seattle in 2016, Seattle in 2017, Portland in 2018, Seattle in 2019, Seattle in 2020. This is kind of crazy uh, in a league that's kind of built on parity. But they've since Metzer came in, you know, he came in what halfway t- t- during 2016, where it seemed like they weren't going to make the playoffs. Maybe Nicholas Ladero gets br- brought in in the summer. He turns it on. People were likening uh, Emmanuel Reynoso on Minnesota to playing at that 2016 Nicholas Ladero level. And uh, it unfortunately didn't work out for Minnesota. It definitely seemed like Reynoso was trying to get them there. Uh, he's, uh, I think, 
had a hand in like eight of their nine playoff goals or all of their playoff goals ever for Minnesota United. So, and he just entered the league in September. But unfortunately for Minnesota, it just wasn't to be. And it's another Cascadian team. Once again, the only team that hasn't gotten in there is, of course, Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, I can't even think of the last time it wasn't one of Portland or Seattle. 2014 would have been, uh, who was in that cup? Was that LA Galaxy? I will have to check here. Uh, I am struggling. It was LA Galaxy. That was back when it's Galaxy versus Revs, and uh, Zardes actually scored a goal in that as well. Um, that was back when Zardes, uh, who's on Columbus, was uh, on the LA Galaxy. Caleb Porter is Columbus Crew's coach now, and he was the Portland manager when they faced when Portland faced the the Crew back in 2015. So Porter's back in there now. We got Brian Smetzer, who has been winning cups like crazy for Seattle. So this is uh, this is an opportunity for Seattle to really cement themselves as the dynasty of the 20 of of like the 2010s, really. You know, uh, all the Open Cups they've won, all of the uh, uh, MLS Cups that they're that they've won so far two could be three. If they, if they get three, they are really close to, and if Smetzer stays, they have a shot at getting to that, that five number of LA galaxy or the four number of DC United. And both of those teams, DC and LA have been around since 1996. So Seattle coming in just in 11 years and turning this on their head and already getting the three would be absolutely crazy. But none of that is for certain. And the reason why I am saying uh, that here is because Columbus Crew, it seems like now, have announced that Darlington Agby and Pedro Santos are both not medically cleared to play on Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox due to, uh, I guess, uh, COVID is what it is. But they're just not medically cleared to play is what's listed here. And uh, that's that's a big blow here for... Columbus crew and we'll see how that shakes out so in my estimation if we're going to get to previewing this final that's at 8 30 p.m on Saturday December 12th on Fox I am leaning towards Seattle probably winning that even though it's in Columbus just with the the amount of injuries and, and COVID list players on Columbus crew is something that I think is might be a little too hard to overcome, and Seattle's just been playing out of their mind. Raul, uh, Raul Rui, Rui Diaz has been playing out of his mind in the playoffs. Uh, Jordan Morris has been great this season. It, you know, Seattle is missing a player. They're going to be missing uh, the Ecuadorian center back, Xavier Arriaga. Uh, he's going to be unavailable, uh, but he that's not for COVID. He's awaiting the birth of his child. And that just came out today that that, that, that was happening. He's uh, he, he started the final two regular season games for Seattle, but uh, so far Shane O'Neill has been partnered with uh, Ymir Andrade uh, in the playoffs. So may not be a big miss for Seattle the way that Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos affects the Columbus crew. So we'll see how it goes. I am looking forward to this match. I'm recording this on Friday. So, you know, I got a night, you know, I got 24, more than 24 hours to go here. And I'm really pumped, really excited for that. Uh, then we have some um, CONCACAF Champions League starting back up again, like I mentioned a few weeks ago. 
on December 15th, which is uh, Tuesday, we have Olympia versus Montreal on FS2 at 8 o'clock. We have Tigris versus NYCFC that same day at 10.30 p.m. Eastern on FS2. On 12.16, which is Wednesday, we have an 8 p.m. match at Atlanta versus, uh, no, sorry, Atlanta. That's our Atlanta, sorry, versus Club America. That's on FS2 as well. LAFC versus Cruz Azul at 10.30 p.m. on 12.16. So we'll see how those go. Uh, those are all on FS2, and we will be talking about them on this uh, probably ooh, probably midweek or, or you know, um, sometime around there. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we got, you know, an MLS team in each four of these matches. Hopefully, uh, you know, we, we get some of these teams uh, through here. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, one last thing to really cover before we get to the U.S. men's team. Taylor Twelman had an interview with uh, Don Garber, the MLS commissioner. There's always these these rumors of the Mexican League, Liga MX, uh, you know, uh, partnering or combining old school ABA versus NBA, NFL, AFL style of, you know, combining into one super league, I guess. I'm not really sure how this would work. There's so many teams. Uh, there's so many different things going on, but here is uh, what Don Garber answered when uh, asked by Taylor Twelman about this. He said, what I would say is you've got to start with a small step. That small step really is League's Cup. That's the midseason tournament that they've been doing at times. We've been really excited about that. The Campionas Cup has been a valuable property for us. It has good television television ratings and a lot of fan support certainly when it was played in Atlanta last year so we have a close partnership with Liga MX and I think we and they are trying hard to try and create prominence and elevate the importance of CONCACAF on the global stage that's why we've been so supportive of the Champions League could there ever be a moment where the leagues come together in a more formal way than just playing with interleague play perhaps but it's a long way away We've got a lot of work that would need to be done to figure that out. We've got a labor union and a CBA. They don't. We have a salary cap. They don't. We have an entirely different structure on how to how we go about managing our business. The challenges and obstacles are many, but the opportunity is great. So like everything with us, we'll do the work and figure it out if it can be possible at some point in the future. My thoughts on this is I would rather these two leagues always be separate. I am not somebody that would want these to merge. I am just too much of an MLS fanboy to want that. I, I get that it could probably help with television ratings, right? Like when you look at the television ratings of Liga MX uh, in the USA, it is the most watched soccer league in, in the USA. Uh, part of that is because of the soccer and and. Another part of that is because of, you know, um, people leaving Mexico, coming to America, and sticking with the teams that they follow in Mexico instead of following teams here in America. So, and also that these are primetime games. So when people are wondering why, you know, these don't get as, uh, why, why like uh, Premier League or La Liga or Bundesliga don't get the ratings, Serie A get the ratings that Liga MX is because a lot of the times those are on in the early morning, early afternoon. Liga MX is, you know, weeknights and weekends at like 8 or 10 p.m. 
on Spanish-speaking networks that are over the air sometimes, like Unimas, that a lot of people have access to. I don't, but a lot of people have access to that channel. And they're broadcasted, you know, just nationwide uh, during primetime television hours. That uh, and, and like I said before, you have all these other factors of the Spanish-speaking population here in America. Stuff like that that, uh, that drives them to want to have that connection and watch their favorite teams and it draws ratings. So I can understand why MLS would also want to partner with Liga MX in order to get some of those ratings, to play big games against teams like Club America and uh, Tigres and, uh, you know, Santos Laguna, you know, all these teams that are big Mexican teams, be able to play against them and get their ratings and, and open up the possibility of, drawing more casual fans to MLS through this. That's why they've been doing these tournaments, trying to get people to watch the games. Um, another reason why uh, Liga MX might be interested. When we look at this, they've currently paused relegation there for uh, a few years, I believe. And uh, they're probably looking at this closed system of MLS and thinking that looks very good. That looks very appetizing. We want to make sure all of our big teams are staying in, you know, in the top flight, playing meaningful games, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but there are those challenges that Don Garber mentioned. Salary caps. Single, you know, single single entity. You know, the, the fact that MLS is a single entity league that then has other you know, th- that have, like, ownerships in there, it's, it's very structured different. The, the labor union and the CBA, that's very American stuff. You don't see a lot of the CBAs in other countries. Stuff like that. So, tons of obstacles. Like he said, if this was to ever happen, it's not going to be, like, 2022 that, you know, they're kicking off the season like this. It's going to be a while. 10, 15, 20 years, maybe. Who knows? But it is something that seems to be pushing forward. And I wonder just how it would be structured uh, because we we have a lot of MLS teams now and Liga MX has a lot of teams. How are we going to play a coherent schedule with, you know, we already talk about how bad travel is in MLS compared to like England where like some of the farthest points are only a few hours away. And you look at the 3,000 miles that some of these teams are traveling to get to Vancouver, to Miami, to L.A., back to Vancouver. You know, that that would be a problem when you're adding in uh, all of Mexico as well. Uh, so, you know, we don't know how that would all work out. But it is something to, to look at and something to see, you know, can this help survive? have both leagues survive, you know. We don't know what type of dire straits any of these leaks are in at times. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. One thing I want to cover before we get out of here is, uh, you know, you know, my shows are usually short when it's just me, but we're ca- talking USA versus El Salvador. This was a fun game to watch. Yes. Is El Salvador a great team? No, they did not play like a great team. Are they, you know, can we take a lot from this match? No, probably not. But it was fun to watch. 17 minutes in, Powell Areola scores to make it 1-0 from his back from tearing his ACL earlier this year. 
scoring for the U.S. men's national team is a great, great job for Ariel. And I'm sure that's exactly how he wants to kick off. And, and you know, for a year, that's been really hard for him. Though I guess in sometimes it was easier. He missed a lot less games due to his injury than he would have uh, if there was no COVID. 20 minutes in, Chris Mueller from Orlando City makes it 2-0. Uh, this was a... Uh, it was great to see Chris Mueller playing. He was looking pretty sharp all match. Looked great. Sebastian Legette with a chip in the 23rd minute to make it 3-0. Two minutes later in the 25th minute, Chris Mueller gets a nice header to make it 4-0. Then 28 minutes, which is only three minutes after that, Akinolo scores. He's from Toronto FC to make it 5-0. And then 50th minute in, Brendan Aronson from the Philadelphia Union score to make it 6-0. That game was on Wednesday. Like I said, not much you can really take from it. Uh, you know, I thought the lineup was okay. I would have loved to see Walker Zimmerman instead of Aaron Long probably there. Um, looking at uh, uh, Julian Araujo looked really good on the right back spot. Bill Amid was, you know, not really tested at all. Jackson Yule was uh, pretty decent there in the midfield. Brendan Aronson looked dangerous at times. He, he almost flipped one over. It looked like to Mark McKenzie on a, on a free kick or a corner. And Mark McKenzie scored, and it was called offside, but it actually looked like he may have been on. But there's no VAR in, in this international friendly. Chris Mueller got man of the match, it looks like, according to Fotmob here. Uh, he was, like I said, just dangerous, absolutely. He could have had a hat trick. He passed it. Uh, I think that was the Akinola goal that happened there. Um, Ariola you know, looked good. Uh, S- Sebastian Legette looked great. Uh, really decent showing from the from the U.S. men's team. You know, we did get some. Uh, where's the? Uh, we did get Marco Farfan and Kyle Duncan coming into the match with Mahalovic and Kellen Acosta and Sebastian Soto. By the time they were coming in, though, you know, in the second half, there just wasn't as much stuff for them to really do. Um, you know, like I said, those first 28 minutes, and in a span of 11 minutes, from the 17th minute to the 28th minute, scoring five goals. It was just goal after goal after goal. It was fantastic. And, you know, this is what you need. Yes, people are going to say, especially because these are MLS players, people are going to say, well, you can't take much from it. I already saw that sentiment on Twitter. You can't take much from it. But you could take a lot from when our young Europe stars beat a team six to two. <laughs> you know, it's Panama, right? Like that—that th- that was their their thought process. I actually saw that on Twitter. You can't take much from this game, but you can take a lot from that game. I don't think you can take much from either of those two games, except for we're deep. You know, we have a deep team right now which is good because we got Gold Cup coming up next summer. We have World Cup qualifying coming up soon. We have the uh, Nations League. We have um, Olympic qualifying. We got a lot of stuff coming up, and we need this team to be deep so that way we can field. You know, sometimes these tournaments overlap. You need to be able to field different teams at different times. And the fact is, I think a few years ago, we would not have just smashed El Salvador with what is probably our B or C team right now. Probably would not have done that. Uh, you know, some of our even best MLS players still not called in yet uh, in this case. We didn't get a chance to see, you know, Jordan Morris on the pitch because he's still with Seattle. Um, so, you know, that that's going to be um, 
something to look at for sure is that we're we're a deep team now hopefully that carries on hopefully that means we'll be able to see this team grow and continue onward on a onward upward trajectory as we go but it was just a fun night on wednesday night to just watch the u.s put six goals past the team no matter how bad the team is uh no matter how prepared the team was just seeing that happen with with people that are probably not going to be starters on our a team right now but you need the depth injuries can be a concern as well like i said also with all those tournaments. But, you know, let's say Pulisic, who has injury issues. Oh, it's nice to know Chris Mueller can play on the left. We have Jordan Morris who can play on the left. We have players that can play on the left that, that's going to help us get a little deeper, you know, if if we need substitutions or if we need uh, injury, you know, like injury um, subs, uh, you know, where a player can't make a camp because of injury. And, you don't want to ever limit your pool. And the fact that I keep seeing people say, well, we shouldn't even call up Zardes anymore. We shouldn't call up, you know, Jordan Morris anymore. We shouldn't go. Like, I see people on Twitter saying that stuff. That's just bull crap. You have to play. You have to be able to have that depth and have them in the conversation every so often. You can't just pull them off of the, uh, you know, off the bus when you need them at some point and say, get in there if they haven't been with the team. So getting them called into camps, getting them games like this, I think we're going to have a January camp as well, so we'll probably see some more players come in and another friendly or so. And I'm looking forward to it. But that about wraps us up here. Uh, like I said, we're going to be covering MLS Cup. That is on Saturday, so I'll probably have hopefully something out Sunday or Monday regarding that. Then we got the games on Tuesday and Wednesday in the CONCACAF Champions League, and we'll be talking about those matches and then before you know it, the season probably going to start again. I think it's slated for March, uh, so that's only a few months away, and then we get right back to it. But uh, thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the u.s men's national team americans abroad mls usl this is stateside soccer show presented by stop it's time soccer show have a good one